So good morning, everybody. Beautiful day in the hills to begin our meditation course. Hope you slept some. (laughs) Hope you slept well. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a while to settle in. Strange bed, maybe strange roommate. So the good thing with mindfulness practice is we start wherever we are. We meet wherever we are. It actually doesn't matter how we are. What matters is we learn how to meet it, be with it, with a kind, present attention. So I want to talk a little about uh, just a little context for the practice that we're doing. So there are many different ways to meditate, as you know, many different forms of practice. And even with mind, within mindfulness practice itself, there are many ways and orientations. So in the beginning of a retreat, we usually come pretty scattered, busy, tired, you know, often cramming a lot of stuff in, you know, work stuff, emails, whatever, f- finishing off things. So we arrive often a little frazzled. I don't know if that's true for some of you, but probably. And so, um, and what we've been practicing in our lives is a lot of thinking and a lot of discursivity. One sociologist put it that we live in this state of constant partial attention, where our attention is constantly divided between two or more things, right? We're at work, we're emailing, but we're on the phone. We're driving and we're eating, or we're talking and we're, you know, surfing online. You know, just the multiple times that we're, our attention's frazzled, right? So not so supportive for cultivating a strong, mindful presence. So one of the first things that we do when we arrive on retreat is we're learning to gather and collect that busy, distracted, restless crazy mind of ours. So this morning we're primarily going to focus, bring our attention to the breath. The breath is a wonderful place to uh, focus and settle the mind. It's a great reference point for when we're not with it. And it's always present. Hopefully you're breathing. Hopefully you'll continue to breathe. And uh, it also is is an interesting tool because um, it, it does itself, it breathes itself, and yet we, go, we notice, as you, you'll notice at times, the mind wants to come in and control and make it better or deeper or longer or whatever kind of trip you have about your breath. And it's just natural. I controlled my breath for years when I first started practice. It was hard to just let go and simply let my body breathe. So we'll use the breath in the sitting meditation, and then Noah will give us some instructions about the walking practice. Again, and that the orientation of that practice is, can we just be present here in this moment with this breath, with this footstep? Right? And then we space out and we wonder and we think and we plan and we get bored and we get distracted. And we notice that and we go, oh, look at that. I'm thinking about the game again. Come back. Oh, look at that. I'm thinking about work. When I was at work, all I thought about was retreat. Now I'm at on retreat. I think about work. What's up with that? Well, that's just the mind. So we notice it, we don't judge it, it's 
it's a natural part of what the mind does. Brains think, and we bring it back. So a lot of the practice, particularly in this first day, is really one of returning. So rather than thinking about, oh, how many breaths can I follow at once without getting lost, you're more interested in, can I return? Can I keep returning? Can I return with, with patience? Can I turn with perseverance? Yeah. Can I be patient with myself and my mind and my body with its aches and pains and my distracting, wandering thoughts? So we say this practice is very simple. Right? Pay attention. Follow your breath. Notice when you wander. There's a, there's a four-part Zen instruction like it goes, step one, pay attention to your breath. Step two, notice when your attention has wandered from the breath. Step three, bring the attention back. Step four, repeat, repeat steps two and three a few billion times. And that's a lot of our practice. We just come back, we come back, we come back. And that is training. And you may, and, and, and that's why I said about not evaluating your practice, because you may, at the end of the set, you may go, God, oh, all I did was just wander and come back, wander and come back. That is the practice. That is part of the training. Right? There's also other dimensions of the practice, which are more of the science, more of the art, more of the, the play and the mastery. But there's also this very simple <clears throat> training aspect, just like you're learning an instrument, you're training at the gym, right? It takes, it takes kind of time persistence. You don't go to the gym after 20 minutes go, eh, I don't know if this is working, it's not for me, I'm going to do something else. And you've got to give it time. The same with learning a violin or whatever it is. So in the course of the two days we'll expand that focus of attention from the breath and this afternoon we'll more include uh, sensations of the body and working with physical pain. Not that that, not that, that not the body sensations and pain won't be coming up this morning, but we're prioritizing and preferencing the breath. Tomorrow we'll talk more about working with emotions and thoughts, which is another really important part of our experience and an important area that mindfulness really gives us some clarity and facility how to work with, especially strong emotions when they come. <clears throat> There's this quote from... Um, I'm going to do a short exercise in a minute, but there's a quote from Einstein that I like a lot. He says that perhaps the most fundamental freedom that we humans possess is the capacity to choose where we place our attention. Mostly we're on autopilot. A thought comes about pizza, and we're off suddenly thinking about pizza, and then we're in Italy eating the best pizza we ever had, and you know, and we've gone for 10 minutes, or you know, whatever variation of that. And here we're learning to be conscious and, and be more choiceful, more skillful in what we do with our attention. Because what we do with our attention massively determines our state of well-being. So I want to do a, a little short exercise right now. It's going to take about a minute. It's a playful exercise. Just to kind of play with this idea of what mindfulness is and what awareness is. So the instruction for this short exercise is don't pay attention, don't be mindful, don't be aware, don't notice anything, and don't make any effort. Okay, off you go. And you can, eyes open, eyes closed, doesn't matter because you're not paying attention.
That was the bell in case you weren't noticing and paying attention. So what did you notice? Anybody like to say? In that, in that experience of not noticing, not being mindful, not being aware, what did you, what happened? What did you notice? Huh? Can't do it. How come? It's not in your control. Right. The, the, the noticing just happens. Uh-huh. Anybody else? Sounds. sounds, you know, sounds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hard to stop hearing sounds, right? What else? Anybody succeed? Not noticing, not being aware of something? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> you must have noticed that you were succeeding, not noticing. <laughs> <laughs> So basically the point of that is it's impossible not to be aware unless you're dead. Right? So hopefully you're alive. And if we're alive and we're awake, we'll be noticing something. Right? Even if it's we're noticing our thoughts or noticing trying not to notice or trying not to be aware. Right? So this is the good news of the practice. Right? Awareness is the nature of your mind. It's, it's, a, it's a fabric of who we are. Right? We can't not be aware the question is, what are we aware of? What are we giving attention to? Right? Mostly what we're giving attention to is the coconut up here, all the tumble dryer of thoughts tumbling around, our worries, our stories, our rumination about my life and my fears and my plans. Right? So since awareness is the, is the fabric of mindfulness, awareness grows out of cultivating mindfulness, then we have a great start. We already have awareness and that capacity. It's, it's within us. And so um, sometimes people report that, that, that this little meditation of a one minute was the most mindful they, they ever got on the retreat because they actually relaxed. Whenever you think you can't be mindful, it's impossible, it's too hard, I'm thinking too much, just relax. Just stop doing anything and just notice that you notice. Oh, you notice your shoulders dropping, you notice, oh, you open your eyes, you notice the lights and the colors. You relax and you might notice some ambient sounds of the birds. You relax, you maybe notice the breath just doing itself. This is available in every moment and we want to cultivate this balance between relaxation and alertness. Relaxation and alertness. You want to stay relaxed in your body, soft belly, soft jaw, but alert, curious. What is happening with my breath? What does it feel like? What is it? How do I notice the sensations? Right? I mean, of course, you've all noticed your breath, but in meditation, we're giving it a particular um, curiosity. Right? What's the? Each breath is different. What's the nuance of each breath? How do I? Where do I feel the breath? How does the breath happen? Right? So you want to get curious about the whole process. The more curious and engaged you are with whatever your meditation object is, the more that will sustain your attention the more focused you'll be, the easier it will be to stay in the present. If you're not that interested in the breath, and that's all we're doing this morning, guess what's going to happen? You're going to check out. You're going to start thinking about a lot of other stuff. So see if you can find that place of what's called beginner's mind, where we, we, we act as if we've never felt this breath, because of course we haven't. We have, we've never felt the next breath. It's always new. It's always different from this perspective of awareness. From the perspective of the mind, it's like, ah, it's another breath, who cares, whatever. Right? But actually, it's always new. So can you find that, quali- that level of interest? 
And sometimes it won't be that. You'll be bored and restless, and that's fine. And then we still keep coming back. So in terms of posture, you can sit in many different ways. You can sit like I'm sitting cross-legged, if you are sitting cross-legged. Um, best to have one foot in front of the other, not on top of the other, because the, the bottom foot usually goes to sleep. Um, generally, I find people sit too low. If you sit too low, the tendency is to slouch. Um, so I usually sit with at least two cushions. Um, it usually also helps the, with the hips and the knees. Um, ideally, you want to have a stable foundation, so you want to have uh, the knees on the floor or at least on a cushion or a rolled-up sweater or something. Um, so you feel that sense of solidity. You can also kneel. We've got a lot of benches in the back there, which are really good for kneeling, or you can just kneel on these cushions like that, or you can turn the cushion on its side and kneel. Often a really nice posture, and it's some, you know, play with different postures, give your body a little bit of uh, a break, so you switch between kneeling and cross-legged or a chair. Uh, if you're sitting on a chair, ideally you sit towards the front of the chair. Try not to, try not to kind of pretend it's a lazy boy and you're kind of really comfortable because you're probably just going to fall asleep. So if you can, sit upright using your own body, uh, body's energy and not um, using the chair. You might notice your lower back in the, in the, in the, in the, against the back of the chair, but try and as much as you can sit upright. And the one thing that's really helped me, because I have lower back issues, is learning to, to tilt the pelvis forward. And one of the ways you can do that, whether you're sitting on a chair or on the cushion, is, is you lift your, um, your body up from the cushion, and then you, 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 it's like you put your, your backside a little further back on the seat. And then you, when you sit up, it actually creates a little more pelvic tilt and a little more natural arch in the lower back, which means you can sit upright without actually having to use your muscles to do it. So, and then you relax into your posture. You can put your hands on your legs, put your hands in your lap. And you can play with your, you make sure your head's balanced. And ideally, we're orienting towards stillness, which is different than being still, right? We're not saying be rigid, don't move. But if you can, the more stillness of your body, the more stillness of the mind. So it's easy to, you know, the, the, the habitual habit is to, you know, scratch and itch and move. And, and if you can, see if you can uh, let that tendency go and just be present, just, just be orient to stillness. Itchiness is a really great thing to practice with because it feels like in the moment, it's like, oh, I've got to scratch, I've got to scratch, I'm going to die if I don't scratch. You know, if you don't scratch it, you know, it passes away after a few seconds or a few minutes. It's a really great meditation. It'll really get you present. Um, with physical pain, uh, we'll talk more about how to work with pain later, but for now, um, you know, sit as comfortably as you can. Um, if it's too painful for whatever reason, just gently, mindfully move. Adjust your posture. Um, everything that happens in the practice is, everything is welcome in the practice of mindfulness. Right? So even though we're focusing and preferencing the breath, you will notice, of course, sounds. You'll notice sensations. You'll notice feelings. You'll notice thoughts and images and memories. You notice those. You acknowledge them. Come back to the breath. Thought arises. You acknowledge it. You come back to the breath. You notice somebody's loud breathing. Acknowledge it, come back to the breath. Very simple. 
over and over. Okay, so let's begin. Finding your posture, sitting upright, at ease. And we're starting with this very simple practice, but it's also a very profound practice. The Buddha was said to be uh, meditating in mindfulness of the breath as he was sitting in the night of his awakening. And this is a this has profound dimensions, even though it's also very simple and ordinary. So first, just take some moments to. As you turn the gaze of attention inwards, you close the eyes or lower the gaze. And just notice and feel your body. Notice your posture from the inside. Notice the contact of your body with the ground, feeling your feet, your legs, knees, calves, buttocks. Feel that sense of ground, that connection with the earth. Just here just this. Very simple, human being, being aware. And then noticing the rest of your body, particularly noticing if there's any tension, inviting those places to relax if possible. Let your shoulders be heavy, your belly soft. Relax the muscles around your eyes. Soften your jaw. (coughs) Sitting and aware of sitting. Feeling, sensing the experience of your body sitting. And in that, you will notice the breath is breathing by itself. Breath coming and going. Feeling, sensing your breath. What is the quality, the rhythm of your breath like this morning? Different than before breakfast, different than yesterday. Where do you feel your breath? Letting go of the image or idea of your breath, coming into the direct experience. You may notice the cool sensations, cool air of the in-breath, the nostrils. Maybe a tickle in the throat, an expansion, the chest, the shoulders, the rib cage, the upper back as the breath enters. Maybe the belly expands, the diaphragm lifts. And all of that releasing. Expanding, contracting.
you can be present in this practice to the whole movement of breath from the nostrils into the chest and belly. Or it can be more helpful for many to, to be with a place where you feel the breath most distinctly. The tickle at the tip of the nostrils, the back of the throat, the sensations in the chest or the heart area, or the movement in your belly. So notice which of those places you feel the most physical, tangible connection. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in, breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. Noticing any pause between the out-breath and the in-breath. Immersing your attention into the breath. It's natural for the mind to think, thoughts come and go, images come and go. You can make a soft note of thinking and then release your attention in the thoughts. And begin again, this moment, this breath, coming back without judgment, 
it helps, you can make a soft note of in on the in-breath, out on the out-breath. Immersing awareness in the sensations of breathing. Letting the breath breathe itself.
No matter how far the attention wanders, takes only a moment to return. This moment, sitting, breathing, letting go of the fascination with thinking, immersing your attention, curiosity, to each passing breath. It's helpful you can use counting as a way to support keeping the mind here in the moment connected to the breath. So breathe in, count one, breathe out, count two, up to ten. And if you space out, start again at one. Keeping the note or the counting very background, whisper, five percent of your attention. Majority of your attention with the sensations of breath.
in the last few minutes of the meditation, beginning again, letting go of what's come before. This moment, this in-breath, this out-breath, this pause between breaths. Bringing a beginner's mind the sound of the bell. For some of you that will be hallelujah. Um, Just be aware of sound of hearing. And then when you, after three bells and the practice, you can just bring awareness to moving your body, to opening your eyes, and staying present in the same way with your breath as you were, as you will be, to seeing, moving, a cartoon of this woman standing in line and she's behind looks like a screaming child and uh, this little bubble pops up in her head she says I want to be in the present moment but just not this one like another one like a moment at the beach or something sound familiar there's one of my favorite poems by Billy Collins about being in the moment he says I want to be in the present moment, but not just not this one, not that one, nor any of those that were scuttling by, didn't seem perfectly right for me. And besides, I was too knotted up with questions about the past and his tall, evasive sister, the future. And so the priceless moments of the day were squandered one by one, or more likely a thousand a time, with quandary and pointless interrogation. All I wanted to be was a pea of being inside the green pot of time, but that was not going to happen today, I had to admit to myself. So, anybody thinking? Anybody notice any thoughts? One or two? Thousand? (laughs) So what happens when we come on retreat is basically we experience how we've been living our life. You know? So if we have a lot of anxiety, fear, guess what happens in the meditation? If we think a lot and plan a lot and we're always strategizing and fantasizing, guess what happens in meditation? We think a lot. If we tend to go to sleep and numb out and check out, guess what happens? We check out. So so often, so what we just see is that habits and tendencies, which might be a little 
depressing at first glance. Like, oh God, that came, I thought I left that behind at work. <laughs> I thought I left behind that at home, you know. But actually we get to see, because the, the point of mindfulness practice is, as I said yesterday, to develop clarity, we develop insight, understanding about who we are and what habits and patterns we have that support our well-being and what s- stuff we have that makes us feel miserable. All in the context of the simple practice of following your breath. So there's a lot happens, a lot goes on outside of this simple practice. And you want to be as present and as curious to what, where you go when you're not focused as when you're focused. Like, like if it's so, you know, nice and quiet and pleasant sitting in here, why, why do I check out and where do I go? Am I mostly in the past? Am I, room, am I sort of reminiscing and remembering and rehashing arguments and past vacations? Am I always fixated on the future and what I'm going to do next and my projects and plans? Or am I judging myself in the present, comparing myself? Just to notice these tendencies. Do I live in the past? Do I live in the future? Do I live here? So simple, not easy, which is why we keep saying it takes patience, takes practice, takes perseverance. Takes a few billion times of coming back, you know. That's just in a couple of meditations. So, and to, and to be light with ourselves, you know, it's, it's, it's we're so we're so generally, you know, high pressure, high standard, expecting really unrealistic results from ourselves. So, if you're noticing that, give yourself a break, lighten up. Can I be with just this one breath, or one half breath? Great, I can do that. Okay, how about the next one? Great. Oh, spaced out. Okay, start again. Just this one half breath. And then over time, you know, it's like dropping drops of water in a bucket. It doesn't seem like much, but over time, that bucket starts to fill. So, any questions about your meditation practice? Any questions about posture or your breath or focus? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the question is, if he, he does this practice at home, lays down, is he cheating? What's, what, it really depends on what your intention is. What's your intention for lying down and what's the result? Do you fall asleep? Do you have back pain? Back pain, yeah. So sometimes we, you know, we need to find a posture that works for the body. Some people can lie down and have perfectly fine practice. Some people lie down and they just completely go to sleep. So if you can lie down and it's better for your back and you can stay present, I'd say that's fine. You know, find whatever posture works. Is, you know, waking up is not about the shape of your legs, fortunately. So, yeah. And then if you, you, know, if you can sit in a chair at times, fine. And if you need to lie down here, it's also fine. Got to put a couple of zabatons together. Yeah. You can also stand. I mean, both Noah and I have backache, and I'll, I'll bear, you know, sitting. Sometimes I'll stand. You know, a variety of postures, whatever, whatever supports the body. You know, we're we're cultivating this kind, caring attitude, right? So if the body's miserable when we're sitting, we're not doing ourselves any favors. Okay. Other questions about meditation, focus breath, 
working with distractions. Yes. Um, I came to this retreat last year. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. And I've actually done a pretty good job of getting myself to the cushion uh-huh. four or five times a week and mm-hmm. doing group meditation. Great. And I find I'm sitting and I'm coming and I'm going, coming, going, mostly going and coming back briefly, going. And now sometimes all of a sudden it's like, that's it, I gotta get up. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're done. That's it. You yeah. know, whatever it is that's going on has taken control. Uh-huh. So I get up. <laughs> but uh, what is there another? Do I have other choices besides succumbing to that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the questions she's mentioned, she was here last year. She's been s- sustaining a practice uh, through the year, which is great. And and she's sitting, and then sometimes what happens is if feeling of she's done and just has to get up or gets up and is there any other options other than succumbing to that pull um yeah you don't get up (laughs) you just notice what's behind that impulse is it frustration is it is it anger is it is it boredom is it restlessness is it and because until you know what's pushing that it's going to be hard to be with it understand it and and hold it right so, you know, and it's not uncommon, right? We, we're sitting, we're sitting, and at some point, like, okay, I'm done. I'm either the mind's too busy, or the body's too restless, or the, the pull of getting on with your day's work is just too, like, oh, I've just got to get to my desk, right? So, but we're, we're learning to shift moving from reaction to response, right? From compulsion to choice. So, uh, because with that, when there's compulsion, there's not freedom. So it's fine to get up when you need to get up, but not to do it from, a, um, ideally not doing it from a place of reactivity. But noticing, oh yeah, I'm feeling this real frustration. Okay, can I hang out with the frustration? Because sometimes if we notice what's going on and we just give it some space, like anything, most of these things don't last very long. We get angry, some thought comes up and we get mad. You know, often it's like, it's a minute, 90 seconds. Flares, passes, and it's like, oh, what's the big deal? Right, so, you know, one place to play with it is, is with itching, you know, like that itching. It's like, oh, I've got to scratch, got to scratch. And you just notice that and you let it go. Now I've got to scratch, now let it go. And you give yourself three times before you scratch. And often if you, if you wait that long, it's already passed. And same with, this, with the getting up. I often say to people, wait till the third time, the third impulse to get up, then get up. So the first one, like, oh, I've got to get up. No, just, no, I've really got to get up. No, it's not too bad sitting here. I can hang out, I can deal with this, you know. Or sometimes you get up and that's okay, you know. So, but it's really the awareness informing what's behind that. So really understanding the reactivity and then, then we're coming from a place of choice and freedom. Yeah, good. Yeah. So why? So the question is, why is compassion and caring? Was that what you use? Compassion, kindness, uh, connected or associated with meditation? What's the connection? Um, well, that's a big question. <laughs> it's a big topic, and I might talk about it tomorrow. We'll see, uh, and we'll certainly talk about it through the days, right? Because they are, for me, the 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 sign of a mature practice is when kindness, compassion, and mindfulness are integrated. 
that so when we're with ourselves or another person or distress or pain or sadness, we meet it not just with awareness, but we meet it with a kind attention, a caring presence, a compassionate awareness. Because, you know, um, basically because life is hard, right? Have you noticed? Life is not easy. Having a body that gets sick and ages and gets aches and pains, having a heart, having friendships that you lose, having loved ones that you care about that move away, or relationships end or they die, life is hard. And so, and as we, as we become more aware and more awake, we actually get in touch with deeper levels of pain and, and just the, the pain of being human and our existential angst. And so the more we become aware, especially becoming aware of our patterns and our stuff and our reactions and our, and our neuroses, if without the compassion, there's just judgment and there's rejection and there's, and there's polarity and there's splitting and there's hatred. So we need every step of the way, we need that the more that we uncover, the more that we're aware, we, we need to find that resource to meet it with love, with care, with kindness, with gentleness, with forgiveness. And that makes our whole experience so much more easy to be with. You know, I think of those, you know, on the traditions often talked about two wings of the bird, the wings of awareness and the wings of compassion or wisdom and compassion. And we need both to navigate life, to navigate relationships, to navigate our own body stuff, our physical, emotional pain. Um, yeah, they, they're, like, they're essential for every step of the way in our life. And so that's why we like this afternoon we'll be teaching loving kindness practice to support that infusion of care into the mindfulness practice. And, you know, like if you're in physical pain and you can hold it with kindness rather than judging and hating your body, it's, it makes it much easier to be with. Right? So it helps us navigate life. All right, last question, then we'll move on. So my question's about controlling the breath. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. I find myself notice that I'm trying to control it or sure. Right. Um, do you have any suggestions on how to, how to let it go? Just stop doing it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, you know, if you could, you would, right? So, um, yeah, it's natural. How many people are controlling the breath or noticing their breath's controlled? Hands up. Probably a good third of the room, maybe, right? Um, as I said, I, I, it happened for me for many years. Um, sometimes just the, just the very fact that you bring attention to something, it does change it. I mean, that very nature it changes it. And with the breath, even more so. And sometimes the mind just thinks it needs to get in there and, f- and control it, for whatever reason. Um, so, a few things to do. One is, uh, when you know, when it, one is if you, first you just notice, oh, th- this is my breath, and now it's, f- now it's my breath feeling controlled. So it's a little tighter, it's a little maybe more constricted. So you just notice that. It's not a problem, right? First, we, not make, we don't make a problem out of the, um, the breath being controlled. Right? It's just the next thing to pay attention to. And ideally, we're, we're letting the breath breathe itself. So the next step would be let go of focusing on the breath and just be aware of your body. Just let the breath go. Be attentive to your body sitting. And we'll talk about other things to pay attention to, but you can be aware of sounds. And when you shift your attention, that, that kind of like cat over the mouse hole, the awareness over the breath, for a few moments, the breath eventually returns to its own rhythm. So you listen to sounds, you have your body, and then you come back, and the breath's probably a little more relaxed. You know, and it, may, it might immediately get controlled again, 
so you could continue doing that, shifting attention away, right? and coming back, away and coming back. And for some people, the breath isn't the best object. And so some people prefer just to sit with a general body awareness. Some people prefer to listen to sounds. In, in this room, it's not great because there's not that many sounds, so we tend to space out. So I'd say sit with the general awareness of the body. Another thing you can do, um, which is a more subtle, is usually the breath gets more controlled on the in-breath. Right? So the, the out-breath often just follows naturally, but the, the in-breath is when we decide, the mind decides to get in there and, okay, now breathe. So breathe in, breathe out, shift your attention away momentarily to a touch point. Right? So a touch point would be feeling your sit bones on the cushion, feeling your hands touching, feeling your eyelids touching, feeling your knees touching the ground. So you breathe in, breathe out, and there's a touch point. And it's, like, and so you're all, and it's kind of like you're relaxing as, as you feel a touch point. Breathe in, breathe out, kind of letting go. Breathe in, breathe out, letting go. And then you, you, you bring your attention back once the in-breath has started to come in. It's a little subtle. Needs, it takes a while to play with that. But again, it, it's, it's mostly shifting the attention away so the breath cycle relaxes. You know? And then sometimes it doesn't. And you just notice, oh, this is my breath tense. This is my breath tight. This is my breath controlled. And as long as we don't make a problem out of it, it's not a big deal. If it does create a lot of tension, then shift to another object like the breath. Okay. And it will change over time. It, it just does. Okay, so, um, so this will be the main um, practice we'll do this morning. Mindfulness of breath, returning, spacing out, returning. And then we'll, as I say, include other things this afternoon. So now we can do some walking practice. Noaji. If I don't use it, can you hear me okay? Is there anybody it's there? recording. Doesn't, oh, not so good. All right. Actually, is there handheld? So for walking practice, um, how many people have never done the formal walking meditation on, on retreat? Okay. So uh, the tradition, the way, there's lots of different ways, like Mark was saying, lots of different ways to meditate, lots of different perspectives, lots of different perspectives on walking meditation. Um, our general practice is to take a short path of like maybe 20 paces and just walk back and forth. Actually, I wanted to show you how to walk back and forth, but I, you'll figure that out. Um, and so you just you take a short path and you start at one side and you mindfully walk to the end and then you stand and you turn and you mindfully walk back. And so it's not going for a hike. It's not wandering around. It's just actually walking back and forth. There's two walking rooms, one below us, and then one up the stairs, um, kind of behind you. 
and you can go in there and then you'll see in that room that you just you walk the um, kind of short length of the room you just walk to the wall and you turn around and you walk back and you spend the whole period just doing that walking mindfully um, a lot of people in the beginning with walking practice don't get it uh, that was true for me it was true for a lot of people and we think uh, I think you know we need more uh, walking Buddha statues. I think that's part of the problem, is that we see the Buddha statue and the Buddha's always sitting, and so then we get this conscious or unconscious idea, sitting is the real deal. Walking is like tea time, right? Like they told us to go walk, but I'm going to go have some tea. Um, walking meditation, very powerful. There was that question about laying down in the first foundation of mindfulness and throughout the foundations, when the Buddha is teaching mindfulness, this vipassana insight practice, he says uh, four, four postures for formal practice. The sitting posture is one. Laying down is a formal meditation posture. Um, walking and, uh, sit, uh, and standing. So you can do standing meditation, you can do walking meditation, sitting, or reclining, laying down. Now I want to give you three choices for your uh, kind of focus in the walking meditation. One is to simply note which foot it is that you're placing. Kind of right, left right, left, and just use a label of you're paying attention in your body, in your feet, and just simply right, left. And then you'll notice that you lose attention and you're walking, but you're not sure which foot is you're placing. And then you come back, okay, back to right foot, left foot. So very simple, just walking back and forth, naming that. Or, and what sometimes I like to use, especially in the first couple of days of retreat, to help myself get more concentrated, is counting. So actually, uh, one, two, three, four, five. And if I, can, if I get to 10 without the mind wandering, without losing count, then I'll count backwards. Nine, eight, seven, six. You know, and then you're turning and trying to Turn around, be mindful of the turning, and then, oh, okay, I was on five, four, three. And so being present with the, in the body, this embodied attention, but giving the mind something to do by either labeling left and right or counting, and that, that uh, up and down, I find, helps me get concentrated, gather the attention, and this will actually serve you in your sitting practice the more mindfulness and concentration you develop in the walking uh, as you come back to sit there'll be a continuity of your mindfulness that it will uh, incline the mind towards insight so really an important part of the practice the third choice so do those two make sense simple right left walking back and forth the third choice that i'll give you also a practice that i like to do sometimes is these three phrases, and you may not remember them, and it's actually okay if you don't remember them correctly. Um, 
you could sort of the spirit of it or, or kind of make up your own on some level, but these three, what are called gatas or phrases, sort of meditative phrases, and walking uh, with one foot, uh, reminding myself nowhere to go, and then with the next step, nothing to do, and then with the next step, no one to be. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be. And so this practice, so much of what we're trying to do is just be present, be here, that, that's it. Nowhere to, I'm not going anywhere, I'm just walking back and forth. <laughs> not, 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 not doing anything, just walking back and forth. And letting go of the, I'm going to be spiritual, or I'm going to be the best meditator, or I'm going to be the worst meditator, or whatever. All of the things that we, the image, the identity that we can just let go of here, and let go of our careers, we can let go of our, we can let it all go. No one to be. Nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be. So you have these three choices, right, left, counting, these phrases, nowhere to go. Nothing to do, no one to be. Now, I do ask you at the beginning of your walking period to choose one. Say, okay, in this walking period, I'm going to do left, right, and then do it the whole time. Don't switch. Don't in the middle, 20 minutes in, say, I, don't, I hate this. I'm going to count. Or what was that? Nobody to go. Where am I going to be? I'm going to switch to that. That sounds more fun. I encourage you not to switch, actually, to choose one as you go and you go upstairs, you go downstairs, you go outside, you find your path, make the choice, counting, and then do it the whole time to really give it a chance. Do it the whole time. The next walking period, you can choose another one. You're going to have six walking periods today, or four, or some, five, something like that. So you can try all of these techniques throughout the day, and then you might find one that you really enjoy that resonates, and then you'll use it for the rest of the retreat. Um, and we'll somewhat change the walking instructions. As we expand the meditation instructions, we'll ask you to expand some things. But for today, you could use any one of these techniques, or you could try all three of them through the different walking periods. Does it make sense? Any questions about walking, please? Um, I sort of missed the second one. I hear it's counting. You count up to a certain number. Yeah, you can count to 10. And then uh, if, you get, if you get to 10 without losing count, if you lose count, come back, start at one again. And even if it's like one, two, spacing out, one, two, thinking again, one, two. <laughs> And then, but if you get to 10, I, I like to count backwards. It kind of helps me pay more attention. Sometimes you'll find yourself 11, 12, and you're like, oh, I thought I was being really mindful, but I forgot to stop at 10. And so actually stopping at 10 and then going backwards, 9, 8. Yeah, makes you pay attention more to, be able to have to stop and then go backwards. I really had trouble with walking meditation, so um, I actually came to another retreat. I came to this one because I liked it. Uh, and I discovered that if I walk backwards, it's a lot easier for me to stay present. Is that cheating? And then 
Um, so did you hear her? She said she discovered that if she walks backwards and closes her eyes, it's much easier to, to stay present. Uh, is, it, is it cheating? Uh, I don't know that there's any such thing as cheating, but like Mark was saying in your question about uh, when I get to that place, what should I do? The biggest thing is investigating. Just like, oh, what is it about simply walking back and forth that I find hard to tolerate? And then what is it about the danger of eyes closed walking backwards that keeps me interested, <laughs> right? You are an intensity junkie. I want, if it feels dangerous, I like it. Backwards, eyes closed, on the cliff. <laughs> totally present. I'm awake. Uh, so really just looking at what, it, what is that underneath. And, you know, it's okay to do it, find your own way with it. Totally okay to find your own way with it. And some of what we're doing here is conforming to an ancient, tested, proven method. And so you actually don't have, you know, you can, but if you just follow the instructions and just walk back and forth and count, and you just sit here and pay attention to your breath and return, uh, it's gonna work the way that it, we've been doing it for thousands of years. It works. So even if it's difficult, and even if there's resistance, and even if it, so I feel both ways. Like, find your own way with it, and good idea to just follow the instructions, even if it's boring, and then just being like, okay, I'm bored, and this is stupid, and I'm going to keep doing it, rather than giving up. So there's that balance of gentle acceptance and perseverance. Enough, I think. Anything to add? Yeah, please. Yeah, I just got some announcements. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's there, yeah, there are different walking styles. I'll maybe talk about one a little later today. Um, 